Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our Redeemer. Thank you for what you did in Jesus and for leaving your spirit until your work is done. Today, as we look at your word, help us to see you, to gain an understanding of just how precious your care is for us. Please be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the uh, evening, when I am kind of pooped out, and I I'll often look at the TV for something to watch, and it's kind of dismal. Uh, <laughs> I'm tired of all the evil that has become integral to almost anything you watch, and and the stories are often not even that good. Well, today we are going to be looking at a story, the book of Ruth, which is filled with good. And while I'm not sure it is a good thing or not, I I have settled on a a few of my favorite stories in the Bible. One of them, for instance, is the story of Cornelius in Acts 10, when Peter walks in to this Gentile house filled with people who have been eagerly awaiting for him after Cornelius has called them together in anticipation of Peter's arrival. Once there, Peter starts to share the gospel and of Jesus, And before he can even finish, the Holy Spirit comes upon the people and they begin to speak in tongues and praise God. That's a very exciting story. Another is the story of the Ark of the Covenant um, that was captured involving Dagon. This is in 1 Samuel 5. The Philistines had captured the Ark and taken it from Israel. In ignorance about who they were really dealing with, they put the Ark in Dagon's temple. But the idol, Dagon, kept falling over on its face in front of the ark. When they found Dagon's hand and head resting on the threshold and only his torso laying in front of the ark, they they began to get the message. Another is from Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus is walking on the water and, and Peter answers the Lord's call to walk to him on the water, which Peter does until he looks around and sees the storm and he focuses on the storm, no longer on the Lord, and he begins to sink. And the Lord tenderly reaches out and takes his hand and they walk back to the boat. I I love those stories. Those are good stories. I have to admit, though, that this uh, story in the book of Ruth clearly ranks near the top. It is an absolutely beautiful story. And We're going to take some time and look at it. This story takes place during the time of the judges, which we've been going through, which is around the 13th to 11th century B.C. And things were not good during this time due to each man doing what was right in their own eyes. Israel's recurring sin cycle that we looked at last week went from blessing to rejecting God and pursuing other gods, to a time of of consequence, to Israel crying out to God for help, and then God delivering them and blessing them, 
after which Israel would get its act together for a little bit, and then the judge would die and the cycle would start all over. The time of famine that starts our story in the book of Ruth fits in with that time of consequence. And the time of blessing when our story ends fits in with that that time of blessing after God had had sent a protector. And and most scholars believe that this story of Ruth actually took place in the middle to probably closer to the beginning of the book of Judges. And you can see how it kind of fits in. We also should keep in mind that Moab, the place that Naomi's family went to at the beginning of our story and the place that Ruth is from was an enemy of Israel. For Naomi and her husband and their two sons to head off to Moab tells you how bad it was in Israel. And marrying a Moabite woman, as Naomi's two sons did, and as Boaz eventually does, was not exactly a great idea. For one thing, God had told his people not to do it. For another one, Moabite women had a reputation for getting Israelite men to go after their Moabite gods, uh, as was the case, and you're probably familiar with another great story about Balaam and his talking donkey and the very severe time of judgment from God. Prior to our text, Naomi and her husband, who were from a little town called Bethlehem, one of the many ties to the story of Jesus in this book of Ruth, they were starving. So Naomi and her husband and their two sons took off to Moab in search of food. When they got there, things did not exactly go well for Naomi. First, her husband dies. Then her two sons married Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. Then her two sons died, which left her a foreigner in enemy territory without the protection of of a husband or a son. Plus, she had two Moabite daughter-in-laws. Her only hope was God. And when Naomi heard that Yahweh had provided food again for his people in Israel, she decided it was best to go back. However, aware that it might be tough for two Moabite widow daughter-in-laws in enemy territory, she suggested that perhaps they go back to their own people. Orpah takes up on the offer. Ruth does not. Ruth makes a choice and makes her resolve known by declaring, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. It is a statement of absolute conversion. And so Naomi and Ruth head back to Bethlehem seeking food. And, and a life with, peop- with the people of Yahweh. They arrive at the beginning of the barley harvest, and it created a bit of a stir in the town as Naomi made known the hardships that she had faced. And they were still poor, and they still had no one to protect them other than Naomi's God, and they were hungry. 
That is where our text picks up. Now hear the word of the Lord. It's coming from chapter 2 of Ruth, verse 1 to 12. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink that, what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge." The story continues with Boaz showing even more kindness to Ruth and Naomi. He sends Ruth home with more food than she could have hoped for, not just that day, but throughout the rest of the barley harvest and even through the wheat harvest. Boaz even instructs the workers to leave extra grain for her to glean. When Ruth tells Naomi what had happened, Naomi clearly sees the hand of her God blessing them in all this. As the harvest was coming to a close, Naomi comes up with a plan that she believes is in the best interest of Ruth. The plan involves a custom in Israel that Yahweh had put in place where a a close relative would take the wife of a dead relative to ensure the continuation of the dead man's family. Naomi tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor and in a modest manner to present herself to Boaz and to ask Boaz to redeem her, which she does. And Boaz, surprised by this widowed Moabite woman, in a very tender and and gentle and honorable manner, does just that. After making known his intentions publicly and, and properly, Ruth becomes Boaz's wife, and they have a son, and that child has a son, 
and that son fathers David, the great king of Israel. David becomes the great, 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 many more greats grandfather of Jesus. It would be difficult to decide between Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz as to who is the best character in the story, something I sometimes do when I watch a story, all of, all of whom, in all three of these, we see characteristics of God. For example, in, in Naomi, we see the, the characteristic of our God who is concerned for our well-being, like, like she was for her two, two daughters-in-law. And she gave them, like God, she gave them a choice, just, just as God gives us a choice for us to go back to our old life or to stay with him. Or we see a characteristic of God in Ruth who demonstrated a love that is unconditional and committed. That is how God loves us. And we see in Boaz the idea of a redeemer who is clearly an example a a model of Jesus redeeming us. He is kind and understanding and gentle and cares for us, let alone he redeems us. But there is one more character in this story who is not even mentioned that much, and that is God. God orchestrated this whole story, this whole thing. And this is the God whom Naomi knew as her Lord. And while she was feeling that her Lord was bringing misery on her with the death of her husband, the death of her sons, the ongoing issues of hunger, Naomi was a true believer in Yahweh. And she chose to return to Israel to the people of God because she had heard that her Lord had visited the people and given them food. She was trusting in Yahweh. This is the God whom Ruth placed her trust in when she said she would, leave, she would never leave Naomi and that Naomi's God would be her God. And this is the God, the Lord, that, that Boaz actually served and whom he obeyed following the laws and the precepts that Yahweh had laid out for his people. And this is the God that Boaz said, under whose wings Ruth had come to take refuge. Under whose wings Ruth had come to take refuge. We're going to look at that this morning. I can remember in my youth, before I had read much of the Bible or matured in my faith, but I still like to argue about it, um, phrases like, under the wings of the Lord, were some of my favorite weapons. I would deploy them when I felt I was, when I was arguing with another Christian who I felt was not handling the Bible correctly, or in my opinion, was being too literal. When I wanted to make the point, which is actually a a pretty good point, but it wasn't wasn't made in love when I made it, um, that the Bible can sometimes best be understood when it is not taken literally in the way that person I was arguing with 
was using the word literal. And what I would do is I would use a verse like ours and say, well, according to your understanding of literal, God must be like a chicken or some kind of bird since he has wings and feathers. It was a good point. It really is a good point. But my attitude kind of stunk, but, you know. However, what I missed in all that is that I I never really took the time to consider how powerful and how beautiful this imagery about wings and feathers and refuge and protection were. And it's one of the more common ones in the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 91.4. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Psalm 17.8. Keep me as the apple of your eye and hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36.7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Or Psalm 57.1, Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I take refuge until destruction passes by. And there are many more. But what does that mean? One of the problems that the people of Israel experienced during the time of the judges and in the rest of the scripture, and I believe that we also fall victim to, is misunderstanding who God is, having the wrong ideas about him. We too frequently think of God as aloof, maybe as an old man with a beard and a trident, or perhaps some netherworldly mist that can never really, we can never really know, or a God who is too busy to pay attention to us, or this is one of the more common ones, uh, kind of this ogre-ish kind of guy who demands we do the right thing or he's going to zap us. None of those are even close to who Yahweh is. They all also fail to grasp that the true God of the universe is personal, is intimate, and he wants to protect us. The metaphor of a hen or a mother bird protecting her chicks under her wings, well, that's about as intimate and personal as you can get. And that is Yahweh. That is our God. God is our refuge, our protector. And we are safe under his care, under his wings. What a beautiful image. And it's true. This does not mean, however, that that nothing will ever harm us. In fact, God says we will suffer. But being under his wings means that we remain safe and protected, even in suffering, even in death. Being under his wings and protection also does not mean that we can use him like a big brother on a playground to go beat up bullies. 
But we can know that we are his. And if anyone wants to mess with us, they will ultimately have to deal with him. We can know with absolute assurance that goes beyond perception, beyond circumstances, that with God as our refuge, if we are under his wings, we simply do not need to fear or worry since nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from his love. And he will not allow anything to happen to us that is not for our good. Romans 8, 28. If we are called according to his purposes, even if we don't understand it. Being under the wings of God is simply the best place to be. No place warmer, safer, or more secure. And on the flip side, when we venture out on our own, we become vulnerable to all kinds of things. Another reality facing chicks that, that take refuge under their mom is it can be kind of dark under there. And it, and it can be difficult to know what is going on outside that area of protection. That, that too is a reality for us. When we are under the wings of God, it may be quite dark at times. There, there may even be a fair amount of noise sometimes terrifying noise we can hear but can't see. In fact, there's a whole lot going on that we can't see or hear or even imagine. But we are under the wings of protection. And when you're under the wings of, the, of protection, the chick really does not need to do anything but trust the one protecting it. The same is true for us. Fortunately for us, the one who is protecting us, under whose wings we take refuge, is not a chicken. He is God Almighty. We are under the wings of God Almighty. It is safe. So how do you get under the wings of God? Well, Ruth had to make a choice. Her choice was to return to her people, the familiar, and to her tribal God, and to choose, it was either that, or choose to follow Naomi and her God. Naomi's God, by the way, according to Naomi, was even a God who allowed all kinds of hardship to happen and to come her way. Yet Naomi still had confidence in Yahweh and still worshipped and served him. That was the God that Ruth chose to follow. Not a, he will make you rich and famous and you will never have any problems, God. Ruth chose Naomi's God. And did Ruth know what was before her? Well, if anything, it probably didn't look too promising. She was a Moabite woman going to the heart of Moab's enemy. She had no covering other than an older widow in a very male-dominated 
society, and she was poor. So poor that she and her mother-in-law had to go in search of food just to stay alive. But Ruth chose. She put herself under Naomi's God, Yahweh. And she said, your people will be my people, your God, my God. And she went forward as a follower of Yahweh. And in so doing, she placed herself under the wings of the Almighty God. In the same way, if we want to be under the wings of Yahweh, we have to choose. We have to choose to put our trust in him and serve him and worship him. When there is no food in the land and you have no protection other than a widow of a foreigner in a male-dominated society, not a great situation. Or your bank account is empty. Or you have a negative medical diagnosis. Or things really look dire. Whatever. We have to choose. Do we go back to our old life which is what Naomi's other daughter-in-law, Orpah, did. Orpah chose to go back to a false god, stay in a place that was without food, and in a culture that did not honor the precepts of the good and holy Yahweh. Ruth chose to not go back to that familiar past, but instead chose to commit to Naomi's God. And she found herself under the wings of Almighty God, and he provided, and he protected, and he used all of those things that had happened for good, ultimately leading to David, the great king of Israel, and Jesus, the king of the universe. I want to look at one more wings scripture, and it comes from Matthew 2338. Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? See your house is left to you desolate. This text touches on the heart of our God. Jesus is speaking to the people he has come to save and to whom he's been trying for centuries to get him to understand who he is and his character. Yet all they did was kill the people he sent to them. Jesus states that what he wanted for them was to take them under his wings, to protect them, to nurture them, to bless them. That is, that is what he wants for us as well, for us to be under his wings. What was so sad was that the people in Jerusalem were not willing to come under his wings for whatever reason, and they were left desolate. We should not make the same mistake. It's unsafe. 
and outside of his protection, we are vulnerable. One final image. This coming under the wings of God is beautifully portrayed when Ruth goes to Boaz, obeying Naomi, and asks Boaz to redeem her. Basically, Ruth has nothing to offer. And she humbly asks him to redeem her. And Boaz did. We, too, really have nothing to offer God. But what we need to do is just approach him and humbly ask. And he will redeem us. He has already paid the price. We need to follow Ruth's example and choose to go under and to stay under the wings of our God and find refuge where it is safe and place ourselves at the feet of the Redeemer, asking nothing other than that he redeem us. And God will. He's not a God with a beard and a trident. He's a God that's portrayed as a mother hen. And God will spread his wings over us and bless us and protect us. That's his heart towards us. That's our God. He wants to redeem us. God wants us to find refuge in him. Let us not be unwilling. There's simply no better place to be than under the wings of our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your tender mercies to us are astounding. We who rebel and pursue other gods and do crazy things, you just want us to come to you and find refuge in you. You want to redeem us. Thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.